You're on with me. Okay, so I hear you, Tracy. <laughs> uh, so those of you who are joining us, this is Victoria with Dream Dogs and our uh, our podcast and our Facebook Live. Um, how to train your service dog? We make it really easy. But we have a special guest with us today. So I kind of talk a little bit in the beginning because as people get like the dings that we're going live, then that's awesome and. You know, people join in and see us. And as they see our beautiful faces on uh, Facebook, they'll be like, what are those two talking about today? So uh, so I usually bum up, up for a little bit. So Tracy and I met many years ago at an IACP conference. Mm-hmm. And, um, we love each other. We're best friends. And we have a secret handshake and everything. Uh, but Tracy is super. She has been in dog training for a number of years and she does a lot with puppies and she does a lot with temperament tests. She works with a couple amazing, well, a few, a handful, a number of, a number could be any number. So I like using a number, <laughs> a number of amazing breeders. And as we were at conference just a couple weeks ago together, talking quite a bit, quite often, uh, we started talking about temperament tests. And that one of the things that I hear a lot from people who are looking for service dogs, we just talked about this during the Hope Service Dog Board meeting the other day. What do you look for in a puppy? Because we get people who offer us puppies, but they're like the last ones left and not like always the greatest. Uh, you know, so like, let's make him be a service dog. And no, that's not how it works. Uh, so we were talking about the Volhard puppy test and like which number of it that you would want and why. So uh, so Tracy has an amazing temperament test that she uses with her amazing breeders and amazing puppies. And I hornswoggled her to get her on to join us today uh, to talk about it and what to look for from an expert. So here we go. To answer all of our questions today is Tracy, uh, who lives in Texas. But you're okay. You're not getting flooded. No water here. Yay. She's not getting any water, so that's good. But she doesn't have any water, guys. She needs some water. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's good on water. That's good, right? She has to drink bottled water, guys. I know. Bad. <laughs> I just bought a new case of it at Samson, which is like we have two and a half cases in the copper. Why did we get another one? And I'm with clients. It's good to have. You do, yeah. So, Tracy, how long have you been training? Uh, just about 30 years. 30 years. That's longer than a lot of people have been alive. <laughs> Which is good. That means you have Do you know how many people get on and they're like, I've been training dogs for three months. I know everything because I watched a TV show. Yeah. And it's it can be very aggravating. Yeah. So, in, in your time of doing this, uh, you like to work with puppies. And you like to do the temperament test. Yeah, absolutely. It's how I got started really in the professional aspect. Um, I started professionally my career with uh, a guide dog organization. And part of my task was to select uh, puppies to be raised as guide dogs. So that was really my thrust forward into how to do the temperament test and why. Okay. So you started with guide dogs. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I know I have a new store with guide dogs who's Django's breeder, but I don't have too much experience with guide dogs. There's a, a place in Florida, the Southeastern Guide Dog Association. So like that's who I don't even have to learn. No. 
Wow. I don't do it anymore either. I uh, no, that's a very specialized form of of training, in my opinion, and um, that's not where I'm at now. So, okay. yeah. so where are you at now? Uh, so right now, I primarily train people with pet dogs. I uh, help people with service dogs, therapy dogs, and and help people problem solve if they're having a specific working dog that they're having an issue with or a pet dog that they're having an issue with. So really everything from potty training puppies on up to, you know, dog biting you in your arm. So, and everything in between. Yeah, sounds like us. Um I, I don't like as much the dogs biting me in the arm. I, I much prefer the uh, the service dog angle where they're good. And there's there's like less of the risk. <laughs> but, you know, you need the challenge every now and then. If it was always the same, I don't think it would be near as fun. So, And I'm just, I'm what I like to call a tiny business. Um, it's just me um, and that's what I prefer. So it's everything I can handle and keeps me out of trouble otherwise. Right. It keeps you out of trouble, keeps you doing well and helping dogs and making awesome families. So they want to keep their dogs and have, as I like to call, like there's a reason I call my company dream dogs is because I want you to have the dog you've always dreamed of. And you're not dream dogs. You are yes pups. So you want to be able to say yes to your pup. Absolutely. I like that. It's been my domain for almost as long as I've been in business. So um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, um, trying to stay positive with my dogs and, and trying to keep them motivated and, and really um, educate them so that they have a desire to, to be my friend and to be my buddy and for me to be there so that we don't have a lot of conflict. Um, but when we do have conflict, I can just give the mom face, you know, and then. <laughs> and they listen and they're like, okay, don't do the mom face anymore. I don't like when mom frowns. My grandma, my mom was always said, you know, like yelling. And I've heard this from other people too. Like yelling is one thing. It was whenever they got quiet that you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. I have one dog that I use for demonstration purposes and I just scowl at him. And he just, oh, no. He just (laughs) lays on the floor and people go, oh, my gosh. I've never laid a hand on him except to pet him (laughs) and love him and groom him. Uh, But he gets that we're a team and he does not like to make me unhappy. Um, So, so, Oh, so I got a good story on that one. Um, Went to my very first seminar that I went to was an APDT seminar in uh, Atlanta. It was really close. So we went there. Uh, The woman who I was working for at the time had me and and one of my good friends was the agility instructor. So she sent both of us. And while we were there, uh, one of the speakers said, one thing, there were two things I took away from that whole, whole one that was good. One of them is if you totally ignore your dog, he'll feel like, oh, what did I do wrong? And like, he'll make up. So I said, okay. And the other one was, this is my favorite, especially as many service dogs as we've worked with now, is dogs understand whenever their owner has a disability and they're good. And so like, if you have a problem walking, like the dog will stay by your side and he won't like pull ahead. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Let, let's try both of these. So with my German Shepherd, when I got him, I'm like, okay, I'm going to totally ignore her. 
I, you know, it was just something like, I'm going to wait like for her to do something bad, but her, her, her thing was going to be, I'm going to totally ignore her. What was a German shepherd? She had very high pack drive. Like I was her sun and moon. Like it was, it was detrimental to her. I did the same thing to Luke. Luke was in like young elementary school at the time. So it it was a little bit funny, but, um, but you know, like, yes. Okay. I saw a huge, huge thing there that like, Oh my God, this is going to work great for the right dog, right? You get a dog, like a Siberian Husky, who's like, I don't care what you're doing anyway. It's not going to do any good. And then the other one, I'm like, okay. So, you know, you get a dog who pulls on the leash and and you pretend like, oh, I can't walk good. Yeah, the dog's like, woohoo, sucker, I'm out of here. So I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, really? I I, I love all breeds. The Shih Tzu would just be like, yeah, I'm going that way. Right. <laughs> and if you're coming with me or you're not, but I'm going that way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not a this is like my favorite. I was so excited. I'm like, this is going to be great. I just found someone told me the secret to dog training. And I'm like, well, that wasn't the secret to dog training. No, you wonder like, how you hear like, um, we'll turn your back on a dog who jumps on you and you're like, why do people say that? I figured out how they say that and why is because like they don't actually test it. They just say this is what they say it should be. Yes. They read it in a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> book. I read it. I highlighted it even and I spent notes in the margin saying, try this. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure look, there are some dogs that things will work for and others it won't and that is the benefit and the blessing of having professional trainers um because we save people time and therefore you know money um zero in and say hey you know with this dog you probably need to use this kind of approach to get there the fastest easiest most humane way yeah well that's the other thing too i remember caesar did an episode years ago and and it just, it really struck me. And he was raising up these puppies. You know, he was choosing puppies from different, you know, sporting, you know, like um, dog breed groups. And one of them, he went to, I think it was like a schnauzer or something. And, and he goes and he picked his puppy that he chose, right? And the breeder's like, that's not the puppy I would choose. I would choose this puppy because he has like pizzazz and personality and not that puppy. And he's like, well, I want this puppy because of energy. And so that's one of the things that I told people from, you know, because like I said, it really resonated with me. And I'm like, you know, like my pick puppy for service dog work isn't going to be your pick puppy for a competition dog. And that's why we got Django is because he's perfect for me. But for a competition dog, they might be like, "Mm, no, no. Bart says he really, really likes Django and that he would make him a world champion. So, you know, like, (laughs) but, you know, like you have to look at that. You have to look at it. And so these, these breeders who say like, all my dogs are service dogs. I'm like, but are they really, you know, and even we're going to be breeding gypsy. We're going to be breeding candy. And, uh, and Cindy at conference, she was like, you know, I, I'd be interested in a gypsy puppy, but I don't want to take one away from somebody who needs a service dog. And I'm like, well, not all of them are going to be service dogs. Like some of them are going to be a little too high energy for it, a little too low energy for it. You know, they're, they're not all, we're trying to hedge our bats by breeding her with another service dog, but like, they're right. not all going to be cause each litter, right? Each litter runs the gambit of everything. So you get like a whole pack per litter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about, um, you know, as it relates to temperament testing, um, there's a, there's, there is normally variability within breeds and within litters. So, 
um, you know, part of the production of breeding is we're breeding for health, we're breeding for temperament, we're breeding for structure and size, and, and the things that really help the dog live a long, healthy, prolonged life and benefit the gene pool. But within that, you can't breed for everything all the time. And so you are going to have some variability in temperament or, you know, slight modifications in size and health issues. Yeah. Yeah. You get that dog who's just like, boing, 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 boing. And you're like, ha, ah, you're going to go into agility. Where did that come from? Um, yeah. I think um, in terms of, you know, the, the things that most people are looking at uh, in terms of the, the terminology of the temperament, they know that it exists, but they don't necessarily know what function it serves, what they should pick, why they should pick it, um, why it matters, who does the test or where the test is done and what litters uh, or breeds the test is done on because there's a lot of variability in there and certainly in the results of those. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to what is a temperament test, Tracy? Well, for me, a temperament test is an app. It really tells us exactly at that moment in time that we do the test where the puppy is with its aptitude. Um, so I mean, we call it a temperament test, but it's it's really um, it's more, really more of an aptitude. It's really indicating what things the puppy might have ability. And so within that, um, it really is your starting place. It is not a guarantee that the puppy will end up at that place. It is a starting place. And the reason that that's beneficial is so that we know if we're picking a pet dog, we might want one that's threes or maybe fours. Or if we're looking at maybe we want a therapy dog, maybe you want all fours. Or if you want a working dog, maybe you really want more ones and twos. So um, knowing what it is that we're looking for when we begin that process is helpful. Okay, Tracy, we just got response back that you're cutting out a lot. I didn't know if it was just my computer or not. Okay, can you hear me now? We'll see. Okay. Put, it, put it around like this to make you have a mustache. Okay. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, I'm old, so I have a mustache anyway. <laughs> yeah, still, yeah, it's still cutting in and out. Oh. Let me go slower. Okay. So, so we'll see. You guys work with us here. It's all good. It's all good. I'm but I trying. appreciate Thank you. Betty Rose told us that. She also said she'd be interested in, in a gypsy puppy um, because she's gorgeous and she is. Tracy got to spend a week with her. Got some snuggles. Mm-hmm. And she also said she got to mostly threes and one four on hers when she was seven weeks old. And she picked her based on that. And she's a golden. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So um, so one of the things that I've heard from people multiple times, because, again, I get a lot of service dog phone calls, is I got my puppy, like like, like what Betty's saying here, I got my puppy because of what he scored, and he scored like he'd be good for service work, and he didn't make it as a service dog. So I don't think right. this tests are any good. And what I try to explain to them is that's a moment in time to kind of help you, like, choose one or the other, you know, because you don't want to choose because he's pretty. Like, that's, like, the worst reason to choose a dog. Like, because he was the pretty one, because he didn't bite my feet whenever I walked in, you know. But you need something. And so this is to help you with that. But it still is just the predict tendencies. I like that. said that. Um, that it's just, it is just that moment in time. And it's no guarantee. Prediction of future. Have to stop. Candy's outside and I have the door shut. She's trying to get in. And he hears her come, trying to come through the doggy door. And he's letting me know. Well, yeah, I think 
can you hear me okay? No. Ugh. You're still cutting out. Frustrating. Hold on. Okay. Now so Nicole says she wants a Django puppy. Django's fun. So we are going to keep him intact until he's at least full grown. Um, and then if we do decide to neuter, I do have people who are interested in breeding with him. So we'll free some just in case um, if, he, if he doesn't stay with all his boy part. Can you hear me okay now? Uh, we'll, we'll try it and see. Could you just like unplug it and go off of your computer? Can you hear me okay now? Oh my God, yeah. Ah, there we go. Well, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, going back to the temperament and why sometimes the temperament test doesn't actually result in, um, in a working dog, um, even in facilities um, that have been training service dogs for a very long time, um, the washout rate across the board is between 30 and 40%, and these would be dogs trained by professionals. So right. it's, it's a lot. So look, not every dog that starts can finish. There's a lot of nuances to that. But if you pick a dog that was threes and fours, and the dog was properly tested at the proper time by the proper person in the proper way. Okay, maybe it really was a three and a four and it just didn't make it. But as a professional trainer, for me, I mean, I could take a dog that was a five or a six and make it be a four. Um, or I could take a dog that was a one and maybe bring it on down to like a two, three. Um, a pet dog trainer may not have the skill to be able to do that, but should be able to keep a 3-4 dog in about a 3-4 range, but depending on what tasks they have to do, they may just not be able to complete those tasks. But that, that may be less of a drive and more of a training issue. Or it can be a, a, it can be a drive issue. So, for example, um, on one of the tests, um, it's a it's a ball drive test. So you toss a ball and you see if the dog will go and retrieve it and bring it back. I have one breeder I work with, uh, like they, they don't fetch. <laughs> like maybe, maybe in 20 puppies, I'll have one that will, you know, go after it, but they're not bringing it back. But the majority, uh, more than half, not the majority, but more than half of those puppies at age one will do a full retrieve. Okay. Um, so it doesn't guarantee that they're never going to retrieve. Right. They Absolutely. Just... It's not a guarantee. It's just a starting place. One of the other tests that we'll do is a pinch test. So you'll, you'll take between the puppy's paws and you actually pinch the skin between. And it's a really, it's a test just to tell how much tolerance they have to physical discomfort. Um, also an awareness to touch. So um, when we deal with kids who have autism or spectrum kids, maybe we want a dog that has more of that um, resistance to touch, just doesn't really care. So maybe we would want a dog that has like a 7, 8, 9, 10 range where they can just tolerate a whole lot. So you're like, yeah, and you're like, come on already. And he's like, what? Right. <laughs> right. So that dog is going to test a 1, 2 on that. I don't want a three on that. If I had, if I was looking for something specific, I would want a dog that was far more tolerant for that um, sensitivity. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. But if you're training something where, you know, you need that littlest bit of touch to get something like, you know, you're going to want the dog who's very, you know, like, yes, okay, I got it right there. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if I'm picking a therapy dog, I want to, I want a dog that says, ooh, ooh, touch me right here, touch me right here, touch me all the time, ooh, right? And so, so part of that is being able to break down that test as well and to say, you know, what, what do I really need in terms of service? Um, like, uh, you know, the elevation one where we're lifting the puppy off the, off the ground. Well, you know, if you're never going to have a dog off the ground, that might not matter. But if you have a smaller dog, a dog that needs to sit up on your lap for service, you definitely want a dog that can tolerate that, right? Yeah. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of the, the basic stuff, I think for service dog work, we definitely want one that um, probably more like those three fours, but it can have parts that like, if you want a ball drive, because you want to use that as your reinforcer, or you need a dog whose task is to pick items up, you want a one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, because you can do it. I mean, I don't know if you do like the unforced force fetch or a force fetch or anything. It's something people want. And I know some trainers We'll do like a six-week boot camp just to work on that. I know other ones who are like, you know, if the dog doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to make him do it. And I know other ones who are like, I will get him to do it. It might take time, but it will happen. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Right. I want them to enjoy and have fun because it's all about that heart and soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, (laughs) for sure. And in terms of temperament, you know, again, just because you have a dog that has a low ball drive doesn't mean they won't retrieve the ball. Um, it just mean it may, it may take a little effort to kind of dial that in and up. Right. That always reminds me of it. We watched Andy Griffith growing up uh-huh. and, uh, you know, yeah. Like one of the, you know, one of them, no, no, I'm sorry. It was the Dukes of Hazard with, with the dog and the wagon that he carried yeah. around with him everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a dog for everybody. Like I'm sure he was a perfect dog for it, but yeah. There is. There is. I mean, when we get, it's rare for the breeders that I work with that will have dogs that really are puppies that truly cast at like all sixes or mostly sixes. Um, but, you know, some, we, we'll get some that are five sixes. And look, those dogs are spectacular for people that don't want to put in a lot of effort and don't want to go a lot of places. Yeah. It's a perfect match. They just yeah. hang out. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, there's a home for every puppy. Um, the other part of it too is again, if you're picking for service work, you don't get guilted into it's the last one. Um, like you said, don't 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 fall into that trap. That serves no one. Um, don't pick a dog. Yeah, what if I'm, they wanted to give me one people? One person wanted to give me an Anatolian Shepherd because he's just great for service dog work, and he's the last one left. And I said no. Another one, uh, she had contacted me because of her, her male Rottweiler was super duper aggressive, like really bad off and he wasn't even two yet. Oh, and he, uh-huh. he, he sired a litter of puppies with their female Rottweiler and they wanted to donate one to me. I'm like, no, oh. I don't want that one. Yeah. With the oh, I said, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're good. So one of the things you said is uh, about the person doing it and like the time to do it so this right. isn't something like you're going to prep for and like test them every week just to make sure that they score a passing score and they all get straight a's 
Yeah, no, it's not. In fact, it's really not. That's the opposite, right, of what we're looking to accomplish. And, you know, you might even ask the breeder um, some questions that can help indicate what's happening. So you might ask if they say, well, my puppy's been, my puppies are temperament tested or we've all hard tests or whatever test they use. And you can say, well, who, who did the testing? <laughs> because if it was the breeder, <laughs> not, not okay. Um, and, and if they say, well, I have an outside person that does it, well, say, wonderful. Well, um, where, where do they do the testing? Um, because if it's in the kennels where the dogs are, or if the dogs are living in the kitchen and the test is performed there, it's not going to be an accurate result. And the reason that it's not going to be is because the whole point of the test is to put the dog in or put the puppy into an, an experience that it hasn't had um, in a place it hasn't been with a person it doesn't know and say, okay, these, this is difficult. How interested are you in doing these things? What is your aptitude for these particular skills? And um, so if, if the breeder has done any kind of training specific to um, the test, it kind of invalidates it. Now, it's just important to mention though, that's not the same as breeders who have out the little jungle gyms, um, or wobble boards, those, this is not really the same. We want to do neurological stimulation, all of that right. is breeder stuff. Yes, right, exactly. Say, you know, like we did the temperament test, and on the third time he scored perfect threes across the board right. is not what we want. <laughs> uh, you know, is- someone <laughs> did one, and they, they sent me clips of it because they were looking at this breeder, and the breeder and her friend are in the room with the puppies, and they're doing it, and they're like, okay, that was the third time. I think we got it this time, and he scored what you wanted. And I'm like, that's not what it's for. I mean, owners can go and temperament test because it's right there if they use the bull hard test. It's all right there. It tells you exactly what to look for. We recommend recording it so you have it, but people just don't. They're like, I'm going to follow my heart. (laughs) Because your heart's not a dog turner. Yeah. That kind of stuff keeps me in business, so I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean certainly not not repeating the test um is is certainly something to be considered. Um, you know, we do it at 49 days because that is the, the point in time when um the, the basic development is done, we're getting ready to go into a new social experience, and if we go too much longer the idea is that you have some learned behavior. And so while the test is complete, it may not be quite as accurate because we're not sure if that's the normal aptitude or if that's learned behavior. Okay. Perfect. So these people who tell you that like I test temperament tested him at six months old. I temperament tested him at two years old. It's not the same temperament test. You need a special one because we have one for um, shelter dogs, you know, and, and that's all fine and well and good, but that's only, again, it's going to give you a snapshot of this day, this time, this is how he was. And we all know, like, the dogs usually open up after a few weeks, and they're not the same dog as what they were in the shelter. Sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, in a context, I love the temperament test, and, and I use uh, kind of a combination that's of all hard tests. And back in the day, we used the Monks of New Skeet, which is, you know, both tests are easy to access. Um, but, um, but I use both and I, depending on the breeder, I have one breeder, um, that I do almost a combination of, um, this, these dogs just never, 
ever are exactly as the form describes. Um, and so we've altered it just a little bit to make it more true to the behavior that we see. And I feel, I feel like I can do that because I've temperament tested a lot of puppies and a lot of different breeds. And it's given me the ability to have some experience there and to say, okay, yeah, they, they don't, they just don't do that behavior. You know, they just don't walk off. That's not what this breed does. Yeah. Um, so altering it to say, okay, this is really a three temperament, but it's going to look like this behavior. And that sometimes helps potential um, buyers as well um, so that they don't get the puppy home and go, wait, the test said it does this, but it doesn't. Well, <laughs> Whenever I run it through the test at home, it's totally different from what <laughs> you Okay. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, in terms of, um, oh, I also want to mention one other thing. So the other thing that's interesting about temperament testing is that, and this is just an interesting breeding thing. So there's a gestational age for dogs, right? So um, the, the normal gestation is 59 to 63 days, I think. Um, but here's an interesting fact. So the asterisk cycle can have a, a little window in it that allows for conception to take place. This is sometimes why we get runt puppies, right? Or the big puppy because they were fertilized first or last. And there can be like possibly seven days difference in their in their um, gestational age. So once they're born, you know, everybody's got to play catch up. But sometimes those little ones might take a little longer to get to the game. Um, yeah. And so testing those puppies, we want to go ahead and be very cognizant of, um, you know, just that developmental age may just be coming along. It may be more of an emergent behavior um, and less of a concrete behavior. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. And that's really amazing info because we need to, to know that too, that because every time these runs become like the biggest, fattest dogs that I've ever seen in my life, but because they're the runs for litter. And so they make sure they get plenty of food. Which is right, but you need to, to understand that part of it, too. Right. Um, and, you know, and the other part of it, too, is, like, sometimes I'll do a temperament test, and the rest of the litter will be, you know, anywhere between a, a three, four. Sometimes there'll be a five swung in there. But the puppies that I deal a lot with are usually between a three and a three and a four. Every once in a while, I'll get one, and it will just test weird, inconsistent with the rest of the litter, and... Um, Part of the benefit of doing having tested a lot of dogs, a lot of puppies, to be able to say, okay, this puppy is testing like a five six, but it's not. You yeah. Can just watch the other behavior and determine. Mm -mm, no, something's up. They're tired. They're hungry. They've been vaccinated recently. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not feeling well, and so maybe they don't test all that well or maybe they are the smallest in the litter and they just need a little more cooking time yeah 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 so that's where you know the what bohard's 49 days you know where it might be 49 days it might be a little more yeah you know, it might be a little less yeah. but it's around there yeah so yeah. if you don't hit it at 49 days and you have to get there at 50 days like it's not the end of the world and the yeah nothing nothing irrevocable will happen and again you know, if they're testing within a range of a couple of points, 
a good a good trainer can help you bump a dog usually from one place to another. So yeah, close enough is close enough. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So um, we do have some questions. Um, Betty asked if we're going to show Gypsy before we breed her. We are not showing Gypsy because I don't want to. <laughs> like I, I'm not a very competitive person like that. Um, most of the time what they do while they do confirmation is um, to evaluate breeding stock. Um, we got her as a show puppy. That's the only way we got full registration was picking a show puppy. Um, you know, Technically, we were supposed to try to, to show her until I found out that, did you know it takes around $15,000 to put a championship on a golden and fees yeah. and their fees, and uh -huh. I'm not doing that. She has more than $15,000 in service dog training in her. Yeah. So we did get all her health testing done for goldens. It's hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. Um, she has an amazing temperament. She has titles well she just has her cgc's all four of them including the star puppy she has i think three trick dog titles and she's a service dog and for me i'm happy with that yeah i would be happy with that too and she's really she's i was thinking about this today um she's such a nice size she really truly is she's just perfect she is yeah so conference i i was looking at pictures after we got back because we were there for a week and like as the days went on, like her face gets tarder and tarder in those pictures. I feel so bad for her. But like when we had era, we'd go to Disney for like the weekend for three or four days. We'd go for to Disney for you know five days for a week. And you know, he learned to live with that, but it's still so much on the dogs. Yeah. And you know, luckily Luke Luke played babysitter for her and, and sometimes for Holstein, but like she needed some time because they don't rest as well as what they do at home. Right. Yeah. And she's not used to doing a lot of traveling, you know, because we don't do it anymore. Like we're home a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, here, Nicole has a question. How do you test people who come to you who already have a puppy anywhere between eight weeks and nine, 10 months old? Yeah. I don't, do you want to answer that, Victoria? Or you want me to answer that? I'll let you answer it. <laughs> well, you know, if they're eight weeks, I might not necessarily run the whole test, but I might run little parts of it. Um, for service dog work, the, the thing that I'm mostly looking for is, does the dog have a social attraction? Is it interested in me? Um, is it interested in its handler? Um, if it is, um, then we can do a lot to build up confidence and to give training. Um you know, there are some general things that we want it to, we want it to have some stability. Stability is nice. Um, in the temperament test that we do, the very last part of the test is where we take an umbrella and we pop it open and we drop it on the ground. Um, this is done about eight to ten feet away from the puppy. And as it falls to the ground, um, what I'm looking for is a puppy that startles. <laughs> Right, because I don't want a dumb one. <laughs> and then a puppy that says, wait, I can recover. What is that? That looks interesting, curious. And they show some interest to the object, to the umbrella. I don't care if they go up to it. I just care that they are startled and that they can recover. Um, and if they show interest, that's even better. So in terms of service work, um, whether it's eight weeks or seven weeks or 10 months old, um, it's got to have some recovery because service is hard work and you're going to be in public and your dog is at some point going to make a poor choice. And it is your job to help that dog recover 
And if it already has a natural instinct or an aptitude towards recovery, that's going to be a much easier process. Perfect. Oh, yeah, we were at Universal today, and there was a fire-breathing dragon. And Candy was like, what was that? And then she was like, okay. and I mean, Candy's like almost three, but she didn't start service work until a few months ago when we brought her over from, from so yeah, I look for what I call big red flags. Um, I want to see, I don't want to see any shyness. I don't want to see any um, aggression to new people or dogs. You know, I want to look for those. Uh, you know, I love the, that social ability. You really want that. That's huge. If there's not that connection there. And especially if I'm dealing with owner trainers who, you know, owners who have had the dog for a while. I mean, an eight-week-old puppy is going to be a little different from a nine- or ten-month-old puppy that they've had since he was eight weeks old. But, no, I think that's a perfect, perfect answer. Yeah. Um, here's a good one. Um, Anjanette has a litter of goldens on the ground. She's at the point to test her pups, and she's been observing them since birth. What would be your best advice to a breeder to temperament test? Now, before you answer that, I have to step aside for a little bit, so I'm going to put you on full screen, and I will be right back. Okay. So, um you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think the, the best thing the breeder can do if they have time and ability is to maybe look at just doing some object training. Um, again, we're really working on teaching puppies to have recovery. So that could be anything from uh, different surfaces for the puppy to walk on. It could be just a little small, maybe six by eight plastic tarp that's laid loosely on the ground. Um, you'll leave it out for about five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe. And then the breeder will want to pick it up and put it away for a few days, um, bring it back out in a few days, put it down again for a small period of time. We don't want to overwhelm the puppies. We just want them to get acclimated to different surfaces, surfaces and sounds and textures and to be able to learn how to cope with that. So um, so that could be something to be considered um, at if the puppies are already on the ground, maybe not necessarily doing early neurological stimulation with somebody who hasn't had experience doing that. But if she plans on having future litters, um, you might want to look up early neurological stimulation for puppies um, or um, in actually a formerly a government program in the 50s. The government, U.S. government um, created what they call the super dog program. Um, and that was a program they were using with military dogs to help create a hardier, healthier um, dog that could endure more stress. And um, I think certainly a reflection of, of people becoming more stressed, particularly in the United States, um, having handle more stress is helpful as well. Um, I think in terms of um, just general getting people in there to spend time sitting on the floor with puppies, being quiet, playing gently, touching gently, touching nicely. These are good things that can be done um, with a puppy of um, virtually any age, but particularly for younger puppies. Um, also, if you can expose them to kids, um, quiet kids, well-behaved kids, these are good exposures. Um, you can do sounds from a distance, sounds when they're eating. So perhaps when they're eating their food, maybe there's a noise in the background that could be um, typical for your area. Like if you're near boat docks or trains or that kind of thing, you can go ahead and play those, those sounds very lightly in the background. And as the uh, puppies become more acclimated and less sensitive to that, you can turn the volume up a little bit. So maybe a little bit of sound sensitivity could be something else you could work on. 
if that answers. Let me know if that's, that's not enough. No, and then getting someone else in there to do the temperament testing. Oh, like, yeah. Perfect. You could fly her over. You don't want it to be somebody who, you know, who's been around the puppies. No, and um, there are some good sources that you can that you can find um, for temperament testing. Um, so you might want to look on any of the professional websites for professional trainers um, would be a good good option. And there are a couple of um, other organizations that specifically do puppy um, training programs. Um, so those may be an option too, like Avidog and. Yeah, Abadog and Puppy Culture are the two big ones that I know of. And I believe Abadog has, you know, people on their yeah. site. Um, and probably Puppy Culture does too. I just, I haven't looked into it all that much. I'm just like, which one do we want to go with? Yeah. And, you know, which one's going to make the most sense to me just starting out? Because yeah. I'm going to go to litter. Um, here's a good one. Melissa says, um, her puppy tested fantastic, but unfortunately has had two very bad experiences. A puppy, it is now at six months old, going through a fear period that definitely has me concerned. Yeah, is this a service dog puppy? I think it is. Okay. But I don't know. Right, Melissa, are you still on? We'll There's a little bit of a delay from what we say to when they hear. Um, so, you know, puppies are going to have experiences. Not everything is going to be roses and rainbows. Um, and... Um, Heck, I had my dog in Costco. He's been there lots of times, but he had a giant freak out right before I went to the conference, ICP conference. We were walking, and all of a sudden, the meat counter just apparently had ghosts. Um, and so we've had to go back, and we've had to work through that a little bit. But um, Melissa, oh, so she's still on. Hold on, Trace. Um, it, your dog's a service dog, right? What is that the breed? Is that the chocolate lab in the... Um... In, in your picture there, in your profile pic? Okay, go ahead. So you had a freak out in the meat counter because it was ghosty. Yeah, I, you know, go figure. But you still have, you still go and you still work through it. Um, it's tough when they have issues with other dogs because you, it's best if you can set that up and do some retraining with other dogs who are not problematic. Yeah. But you might find that you need a professional trainer to help if that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. He is a service dog and that is the dog in there. So I know a couple of labs who say there's nothing wrong with chocolate. Stop telling people that they're crazy dogs, but are crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. Wait a minute. I have some really famous clients that everybody would know and they, and they have chocolate labs. So <laughs> they have a lot of energy so no 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 some people love that energy and they want a dog who is gonna like keep up with them on runs and then want to play ball and then want to go to the beach for four hours most of my service dog people don't want that they want mellow they want gypsy right a dog who's gonna like she's sleeping at my feet right now because yeah. she wasn't even the one at universal for the day it was candy so, you know, like I want a dog with a good off switch. And and like I said, I know there are some breeders who put out fantastic. If I was going to go with a chocolate lab, like I would contact one of them. Yeah. Um, but you know what I tell people too is by and large, look at what the programs are using. Yes. Programs use mostly yellow labs and goldens and crosses of yellow labs and goldens. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's the highest rate of, that's the highest statistical rate of success. 
Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Southeastern Guide Dogs. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's their go-to. It's what most of our guide dog schools use um, as go-to are, are the Labs Goldens, Yellow Labs Goldens or Crosses. Yeah. And if you want a badass looking dog, get a Black Lab. But don't crop his ears, even yeah. though you might be tempted to, because then he's looking yeah. You know what? So we did candy today. And then uh, I met up with a trainer friend from Savannah. So she's down. And she had her year-old sable German shepherd. <laughs> People actually came up and asked if it was a Malinois. Oh. <laughs> no. She's like, no, no. She, she's a German shepherd. She's small. Yeah, she's a mini German shepherd. Really? No. Um, but with her and Candy, and Candy has the up ears, uh, like people left, leave me alone more with her than with my golden. Go figure. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, my very first real, you know, living on my own adulthood dog was a Rottweiler. Um, and my husband had a golden retriever. And people would say, oh, golden, and run up to better. And I would think, eh, the, the Rottweiler is the safe one in this scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so looks can be deceiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so she also says he's a unicorn of a chocolate lab. He's got a fantastic off switch. He's had two horrible experiences with people in the last month that compounded the fear period. So for um, for Django, so Django's seven months old, like, yesterday. And they do go through stupid head times where they're just stupid heads. So, you know, you've got to do two things. You've got to help them through it without putting too much pressure on it and expose yeah. them to good things instead of just the bad things. So like yeah. there's a reason Django didn't go to Universal today is I don't want to do anything bad like that that could really compound until he gets past the stupid head phase. Um, you know, we can have fun here. Like I take him up to Brownwood. We go to Walt. Like we do outings here that are short. Um, that are quick, that are to the point, but I don't want to bring him to Universal right yet. And when, when Gypsy was of this age, she had a bunch of hot spots that summer. So she missed, you know, she, she, she did a little bit and then she, um, she was out of commission with that. So they do need some off time. So as much as I preach, we start training at eight weeks old for the service dogs. It's smart and it's not overwhelming to them, right. you know? Having fear, you got to help them through it nicely. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't I couldn't agree more. Actually, um, you know, with the guide dogs and and some of the organizations that are out there, they want that dog with you twenty four seven, and they want it working from the time it's eight weeks old. Um, and and I don't have conflict with that, but I would like to suggest that there are other options. Um, you know, well, that fifty percent burnout rate or washout rate. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, look, we're asking them to do things that are hard that a normal dog cannot, cannot do. Yeah. We're asking them to do it with us who may or may not be professional trainers. And, you know, we've got to depend on these dogs as a medical device. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not a small task we're asking. That said, dogs are dogs. And they do have, they do struggle sometimes. And part of what the gift that we've been given as their owners is to help them work past it. Because service dog or not, they don't deserve to just be put aside and say, okay, well, I can't get you past that and I'm not willing to try. you got to give it some effort. And unfortunately, sometimes that may cost money because you might need to get some help from a, from a professional. Um, but if you can find a good professional, it may not take as long as you think. 
Um, and well, that, good, what is it? Good, fast, and cheap. Pick two. <laughs> yeah, right. Good, I mean, you know, <laughs> right. And um, Melissa, I think I remember reading about what happened there. So I know that that was not a little thing. And I know that you are working to, to fix it. Yeah. And I'd like to encourage you to keep up with it because it, it, you maybe maybe there are some things you can do to make it not so bad. Um, and maybe maybe your puppy can stay as a service dog prospect. I mean, six months old, you still have so much shaping, so much wiggle room, so much molding yeah. you can do with him. And yeah. this is one of my pet peeves too, is people who both ends of the spectrum. My dog's attacking every man, woman, child, orphan, and nun that he sees. And he's going to be my service dog because I said so. And the people who are like, oh, my gosh, a dog looked at my dog funny. And my dog, like, stopped while we were walking. I, he is getting washed out. I need another. There's no perfect dog. And this this is right. something that took me a while to fully understand. Because right. I was like, my dog's perfect. I don't know about you guys. But, like, every dog has something. So the right. goal of breeding is to breed like that perfect dog, but that perfect dog never exists. And that's why breeders are, are, are upset sometimes. But uh, uh, truly, right? Like you need to breed like the best and understand like they're still dogs. Like they're, I make mistakes. I'm a human. I have a human brain. I think I haven't checked it lately, but you, you have that. So like we're asking so much of these dogs and they're still dogs. Like as much as they're yeah. service dogs, they're still dogs. That's still part of that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, and as great of a job as a breeder can do, um, I'd like to say as a professional trainer, I myself have trained one of the worst cases of food aggression you've ever seen. Right. Like, cause I'm in my head, I know it all. Yeah. It took me a year to fix the problem I made. Right. Well, you know, and that's with me. Like, I don't understand how owner trainers do it all on their own because personally, like when yeah. we get a puppy in, that's my personal puppy. Like, this is my puppy. It's not your puppy. You're coming to me for help. Like, this is my puppy. I want to make sure I do things right. I'm going to make sure it works because I talk about my dogs all the time. And I say to Rich, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like he pulled on a leash. What do I do? And Rich is like, Vicky, if this is a client, what would you do? It's not a client. It's me. It's different. But... <laughs> You have to remember that and face that and say, like, how many puppies just this year? Like, this is what we're going to try and see how it goes and take it from there. But it is. It's very, like, oh, my God. And you get that choked upness. Yeah. I think that's that's one nice thing about the forum that you have. Um, it really is an opportunity for us to all be equals. And, yes, I mean, I really have been training a long time. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't learn something from someone else. And yeah. it doesn't mean I know it all. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes with my own dogs. I love them. I mean, eh, it's almost harder because, you know, I should know, but they're my, oh, forgive me. They're my babies. I can't see the forest through the trees. I'm like, you should be able to do this. Why can't you do this? Oh, because I didn't teach you. (laughs) Right? No, it's because it's yours. And so um, there's a famous saying. I guess, for professionals. And it's, oh, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Um, As in, like, my dogs suck because I don't have time to train them because I don't want to train them because that's what I spend all day doing. And if if I was a dominatrix, all my clients would be successful rich businessmen because, like, they tell everyone what to do all the time and they don't want to do that afterwards, right? But but I'm like, still, you've got five minutes. Like, they don't have to be, like, I don't, that's one of the reasons I don't do the competitive stuff either is I have, 
five dogs. <laughs> Two of them are the border collies. Um, Zoe is like 14 and like retired in full. Uh, Rue herds the cows for us and the goats. So like, we're happy. He has all the training to be a service dog. He does not want to do it. Gypsy, you guys know. Kanda, you guys know. Django, you guys know. Like, I've got three dogs that are service dogs, service dogs in training. And like, that's where my empty time goes is, is to them. All yeah. the empty time that I have. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you've yeah. got at least five minutes a day to work them. And then they get the fun stuff of just being part of the family. That's part of it with Candy that we're doing is integrating her into the pack because I don't want her to be a boot camp dog forever. You know, so like, she got to go with us today. We, um, I think we got to the park around nine and we didn't leave until about three. So we got like six hours at the park with her today at Universal and she was freaking amazing. But still, I'm like, I know I have to work on so much of this. Like, she needs a better down, she needs a better tuck, you know? Like, she was just chill with all the stuff going on. And I was like, that's my girl. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think especially for for being an owner handler um, or an owner trainer, you know, go slow. Enjoy your dog. Love your dog. Find the happy place. You know, if your dog's happy and you're happy, that's a that's a lot to be able to, to start from. Um, when you have a relationship, you can get your dog to do a lot and you'll do a lot for your dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, true. Definitely. And, and that's, you know, you need that. What I tell people is we start them at eight weeks old. Uh, it's six months old. Potty training should be pretty decent. Yeah. Perfect. But it should be pretty yeah. decent depending on the dog that you got. Everything you do before that six months old is like, icing on the cake right like it's yeah. really good like if you put thick icing on it like I like thick icing on a cake um but it's socialization it's habituation it's potty training everything else is just gravy right. that's on up that's whenever we we start to get serious about it so if your dog knows look at you touch uh, their name find it leave it walk on a leash sit down good around distract like bonus we could move a little forward but if your dog has a a stupid head moment like there's not a problem like then we we do more play we do more fun because i want it to be fun right yeah. you know i've people who are like you know i'm taking my dog with me all day every day and i don't care and i'm like the dog is dragging the dog is grouchy the dog is bitey and i'm like the dog needs a break yes it does <laughs> rest enough enough could not be said for rest right it is well, and the other part, too, might be, you know, if we look at organizations that produce working dogs, and that's all they do is produce working dogs, we also have to look at what, you know, what their timeline is for training. So in generally, and this is a generalization, but generally uh, for guide dog schools, uh, the dogs that are being raised by people to be entered into the program most of the German Shepherds go back at about 12 to 14 months. That's because they mentally mature really quickly. And um, Labradors, you're looking at 14 to 16 months before they begin their training process. Yeah. And Golden Retrievers, you're looking at at least 16 months, 18 months before they begin their training program. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, here we are having these, you know, eight month old dogs and we're like, well, why can't they do anything? Well, so we we need to cut ourselves some slack too and say yes we have a timeline and yes if they are getting that privatized education maybe they can move forward a little bit faster but we also need to respect that they go with their own emotional and developmental rate and and look if we're going to have a dog that's going to work for eight or ten years 
we don't have to rush. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and that's it. You've got to go by their timeline, not yours. But what I don't want to have happened too, and yeah. so I do have to say it, just, I don't want to be like, oh, Vicky said not to do any training until they're six months old. So like, he's going to peel over the house and like bark at me and like bite me. Like, <laughs> you said like not to do anything until then. Right. No, like I want to start from the get go. This is your life. Right. I wait, but I also don't want it to be like, you're with me 24 seven and now you're biting me up the wazoo because you're right. so and crank and you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. 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 And they all, I mean, right. If you're in a growth pattern, you're more tired. And so when your puppy is in a growth pattern, maybe dialing it back just a little bit, not stopping, just dialing it back to an appropriate non-reactive response. Yeah. You know, those growth patterns, they happen pretty quick. A couple of weeks you're past it and on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here, we got a good question from Claire. Um, how do you know a good puppy for a future diabetic alert dog? <laughs> so for that, you want the dog who's a little more active. You want more of a self-starter than for some other service dogs. It depends on what it is. And that's where, too, saying, like, service dogs, we want three and fours. I think four is the calmer and three is the good for second time. So you're going to want more of a three for diabetic alert dogs. Um, one thing Barbara said about at conference, whenever she talked about tracking, and I loved it, is take a smear of peanut butter and see how well the dog follows that smear of peanut butter. Yeah, I love you that know, too. How is the puppy use this nose? If you take a treat and you put a colander over it, a stinky treat, not like a piece of bread. Like he's not a duck, he's a dog. With a colander over it, like does the dog sniff at it and try to get to it? Does the dog try to get to it? Does the dog sniff it? Like, is he like, but there's something in here. Is he just like, there's something in here. I'm going to lie down. Both yeah. of them might be okay. Right. Um, and part of it's going to be how you raise and mold and shape that. Um, there are, maybe, do you work with anyone who does the imprinting for the diabetic alert or for sense where like when the mama's feeding them, they like, they'll put, you know, the, the diabetic lows on the mama, on the food bowls and all of that stuff. I don't, we don't have enough doing that particular task. Yeah, because yeah, I've heard that it's great, and I've heard it does absolutely no good. Yeah. So I'm like, you if know, I was diabetic, I would do it, but I'm not. I think the other part to consider, too, just as it relates to the temperament test itself is, you know, I wanted, I'd want a puppy that on that umbrella test, they've got good recovery. Any kind of a dog that you want for alert purposes has to be able to do something called intelligent disobedience. Look, I'm going to use my guide dog stuff now. So... <laughs> So guide dogs have to do something called, an, and lots of service dogs do, called intelligent disobedience. This is where the dog is given a command across the street. The dog's job is to look. If the dog sees no oncoming traffic, the dog takes the person across the street and all is well. But intelligent disobedience says the dog is commanded forward, go across the street. The dog looks, says there's a car coming, and the dog disobeys the command intelligent disobedience it has to be able to do that so when you have alert like let's say you've got your dog on a tuck under the table and all of a sudden the dog goes "Ooh, there's a problem i need that dog to get up and, and alert you don't yeah. have to stay in that tuck under the table i need you to get up and do your job and i need you to have enough self-confidence that you can do that even if you get a little bit of rep reprimand i need you to have a little bit of recovery because what's the first thing we do we go oh what are you doing lay, lay down <laughs> Oh, exactly. Leave me alone. Don't, don't, don't pot at me. Don't bother me. I'm doing something. I'm doing my job. Leave me alone. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I think that's perfect. Yeah, most definitely. And 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 you want more active than less. So like PTSD dogs, anxiety alert dogs, some medical alert dogs can be a little yeah. lazier. Yeah. Um, diabetic, I do want them. And then some people also for diabetic will have two. They'll have a daytime dog and a nighttime dog because yeah. it's like three o'clock in the morning where it's like, row row. Yeah, just drop. And if you've exhausted your dog through the day, he's going to be sleeping just as sound as you are. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's something. Another gypsy question. Are you going to have someone judge her structure prior to breeding? Actually, I'm going to Marina Azuna's movement markers workshop uh, in like a week and a half. So I plan on taking gypsy unless Candy does freaking amazing and gypsy comes in the heat immediately. Um, so I, I'll hear from her. Um, confirmation judge wise. No, um, I had my friend look at her and then Tawny looked at her last year and everyone's like, yeah, cool. well, I'm good. And she seems perfect. She is. She is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Betty says my dog did so good when someone popped a balloon close to her, she jumped and looked and then we're right back to walking with me. Yeah. Uh, and says we started, Puppy petting at three weeks and give guidance on touch and smell. We run the vacuum, et cetera. Yeah, we've had all ages. And thank you for the info. Um, and to that, you can look up puppy socialization sounds on YouTube. And then um, do you ever encounter kennel blindness? Now, kennel blindness is not a kennel that's blind. It's about a breeder who thinks their dogs are the absolute bomb, period, end of story, even if they're not. Um. <laughs> No, your breeds are all awesome. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Look, this is my thing. Um, I work very closely with the breeders that I work with, um, and I have the luxury of being able to choose who I work with. And um, I choose the breeders because I'm. These people are my friends, and they have character. And um, if they start thinking one thing and I think something different. I'm your buddy. I'm going to tell you. You you don't have to take my opinion, but I am going to correct you if you say all your dogs are always threes. Right. Because I have one breeder that kind of produces dogs that are actually mostly threes. <laughs> but that's unusual. Um, yeah. But it does sometimes happen. But yeah. You know, look, it, your stuff is going to happen. You're breeding. It's genetics, you know, and um we're only on the cutting, the beginning of the cutting edge of, you know, how and why genetics really, really work. And more will be discovered. It may be easier to have kennel blindness in the future because you may actually be producing something that is genetically exactly what you think it is. But we're not there yet. And if you have any questions on genetics, read the book on the Silver Fox Experiment, How to Tame a Wolf and Build a Dog. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. is fantastic. And it's funny because I see we, we breed goats and cows so far. We haven't got to dogs yet because I'm waiting for gyps- well, gypsies of age. Now I'm waiting for heat and see when it is. But, uh, you know, it's the same mom and the same dad can have three total different looking babies. And if, oh, you have babies. Check out my uh, YouTube because or my Facebook because you'll see them. They look totally different. And so, you know, temperament, hopefully they'll all be good. Mine are pretty good. I only have one that's kind of bitchy. bitchy She's very head buddy. Um, but yeah, that's that's where, like I said, with the AKC club I was involved with in Gainesville, it was very much like there's no dog who's ever perfect and you're always breeding towards that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a sucky attitude to take. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I kind of get it now. It just yeah. takes time to sink in. Some, you know that what weighs feather around the bricks? 
It took me about 10 years to figure that one out because I'm very much a visual learner. Someone would show me a picture and said, here's a pound of bricks, right? Like one brick, here's a pound of feathers, like a giant, they weigh the same. They would have clicked off. You can use both Avidog and Puppy Culture. Yeah, you're going to make up your own too. You know? Uh, would you sell gypsy puppies on a show contract? No. I mean, if someone wants to join, uh, she's from very good show lines. Aiden's from very good show lines. Like, we'll have show prospect puppies in the litter. I'm just not showing her. Um, so, no, they won't be on a show contract. Uh, Nicola says hopefully Rio will be done soon with his late stupid puppy, stupid head phase. Yeah, and Dr. Stefan, I'm good. Uh, and then Melissa with the lab says she's training. She's just switching gears. And she's seeing a trainer tomorrow to make sure we're on the right page. Good. Mm. Good, good, good. So Candy. Um, here, so Blake was the one I was with today with the miniature um, Malinois. And she said Candy did amazing today. She did. And so we got a pool strap for her boldly designed vest, a uh, harness. So I was working on pool a little bit with her. Yeah. And I forgot my clicker. So I'm using break. And she's just like, you're talking to them. And I'm pulling away here. So I'm like, son of a gun, I need to throw an extra clicker in my bag. Okay. Um, the book is called, um, it's the Silver Fox Experiment book. It's, I believe it's called How to Tame a Fox and Build a Dog. Yeah. So it's really because I don't read books anymore. Wait, and there's another good one. The Monks of Nuski, The Art of Raising a Puppy. So In the back. Somewhere in the back. Gosh, I had the page open. Well, anyway. There we go. Every library will have this book. Nice. You guys see that? You can go. You can borrow it from the library. You can write it down or make copies. You can buy it. The other one, if you're not very familiar with breeds and um, you just want to learn more, this is a great little book. Your Purebred Puppy of Buyer's Guide. That's cute. Um, just in terms of just general temperament stuff. So if you were looking at a service dog prospect and maybe not a traditional breed like a lab or a golden, um, you know, looking at some impartial information can be helpful. Right. Yeah. And like my Anatolian that I'm going to do for psych work, no. like that's not going to happen, people. Yeah, no. But well, I love Anatolian Shepherd. They're terrific. Oh, <laughs> if I would have said I want to give it to you for your guts, I'd be like, dude, but I still don't right. want to dog on the property that I have to be like, don't let your dog go over there. Um, don't let your kid go over there. So that's what my border collies are for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm looking, you had set me up a sheet over before. I think we covered, I'm looking at it real quick. Uh, um, we talked about a lot of stuff. You know what? Do you have a minute? I'm going to show you my little kit. Yes, please. I've got as time as you want to give me. I just want to make sure you do that. Oh, I like to have it in a shoebox. Yeah. Okay. Because I did this a lot. Okay. I'm going to write it down too. So what do we have in our... our So I have my pre-done forms, which you can print from online. There's lots. I Like I said, on, on these, I've altered them. So on my forms, um, when I temperament test for breeders, my forms, actually, let me, my forms, ooh, this way, have yes, an Oh, I love that. 
And then on the bottom, it has an indicator for, oops, that's a go. So right down here, it's the puppy is more bold, more shy, right in the middle. I think oh. that's helpful for people, right? Because, you know, this is not, not something that maybe everybody does. So, okay, in my little kiddo things. Gosh, I hope it looks clean back there. <laughs> it works. Okay. My bookcases, my bookcases are not clean. It, it works. <laughs> so I always have for the tennis ball test. I always have a, a. This is like just a regular tennis ball size, and I have a mini, and then somewhere I have a tiny, um, because I do have some tiny like mini poodle breeds. Okay. Because if you put this, the mini poodle breed is never going to retrieve it. They're like, it's an avalanche. It's going to kill me. I'm running away. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Um, for noise, um, I just have a simple lid. It could be a lid to um, a, a pot lid. That looks like and, one of those, like a popcorn lid from the Boy Scouts would sell. Uh -huh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a former Boy Scout. Um, but I do want to demonstrate how to do this because um, I don't know how to say this, but people do it wrong. So, <laughs> so I've got the lid. I am going to hold it between my thumb. Let me see if I can get it there, my thumb and finger. It's um, it's a snug hold, but it, it should have a little bit of movement, right? Because I need it to resonate. So again, I need to be six feet from the puppy. You don't want to be on the puppy. This puppy is learning. So, so you don't, don't want to bang it and yell at him? <laughs> right. No. So it's a, and you wait, and you stay still. And the puppy will respond by either staying still and looking or walking away, but it's, that's it. And it's one and done. Now, the one exception to that is if you have a puppy that does not respond at all to sound, if they do not respond at all to sound, you may repeat this test because this is a precursor for a hearing loss issue. And um, so if you repeat the test and you still have no response at all, you need to note that and you need to talk to the breeder and say, hey, you might need to get that puppy checked for hearing loss. Um, so definitely do that. And I say that because within the last year, I actually had to repeat the test. And the, the puppy the first time didn't respond. The second time did respond. And then later, uh, it was discovered that it had some bilateral um, hearing loss. Okay. So it, it, you know, stuff happens. And that had never happened for the breeder ever. So okay. here. Um, okay. I have a hand towel. And the hand towel has uh, just tied a knot on it. And let me move this over here for a second. I'm going to use the chair here as a demonstration purpose. Okay. You basically want to drop it and then wiggle it. You want the puppy to bring, you want that cray drive to come out. So I don't want to startle the puppy, but you got to make enough noise so that they can hear it. And then some motion so that they have interest. So when you are doing the test, you do want to do a little bit of a wiggle with that item. Um, the other thing that's needed, I like to use a nice soft blanket. This is a big blanket. And when we do the rolling over onto the back test, 
I like for the puppy to feel some sense of security. Um, some puppies will not mind um, if you just put them flat on a floor, and I totally get that, and it's okay. But again, I'm thinking, look, this puppy is learning from this experience, and I, I definitely don't want to do anything that might be considered cheating or altering the test, but look, <laughs> I don't want them to freak out. I yeah. don't want them to be held by somebody they don't know and have a poor experience. Yeah. So I am going to do that in a guided, gentle way. Um, and then the umbrella um, that you'll use, um, I like, there goes the spoon. <laughs> um, and an umbrella, you need an automatic release button so that when you push it, what? <laughs> it just pops itself open. Um, this works much better. And again, anytime you're doing any kind of startle, uh, or sound, you need to be at that six to eight foot mark. You don't want to do it on top of the puppy. It's learning. We don't want to imprint fear. Yeah. So, um, so that's my little quick. So when you do the umbrella, do you do it right at them? Like, bah! or do you do it away from them? Or do you do it like halfway? Good question. I always, I, my preference is that they are at least making some visual, either direct eye contact or peripheral eye contact. Um, and I do pop it in front of me. So, uh, me, umbrella, puppy, six to eight feet away. Okay. It's a pop, and I drop it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah. you know, remembering that you want to stay quiet and neutral, because this is not about, will the puppy do it for you? This is about the puppy's... The puppy life. loves you best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? No, I got it. I love it. Um, so and I think those are the ones too. Yeah, those are probably the big ones, um, you know, and there's there's lots of tests that I've, you know, looked up over the years and how people do their temperament tests and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes people get it right and sometimes they don't. Sometimes sometimes they may perform the test right but not log it correctly. So, um, Victoria, when the puppies come, I'm coming out. I've got a videotape. Totally, yes. And we'll add that to the online course. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, do we do it? Do you, do you usually videotape it or no? I, you know, I don't usually because um, I just I don't because usually when I do it, I take a volunteer with me because um, who doesn't love to play with a puppy? And um, I'm teaching them how to do the test, and so I don't. Eh. No, no, no. I tell like service dog for the public access test to videotape it. But when, when we go to do it, like I'm the secondary person, I usually make Rich do it because I don't like giving tests. Yeah. And then, so I tell them like, bring a friend to record the test. Yeah. Like it yeah. just be easier for you to have somebody to deal with that. So I don't have to, and you don't have yeah. to, because we're all busy and, doing stuff. Actually, and the perspective is, is really cool too, especially if it's your own puppy that you're testing or a puppy that you're considering. It's good to go home and think about it and say, okay, wait, is that really what I thought it was? Do yeah. I really like that? Can yeah. I live with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, when we went up to get Gypsy, we wanted a girl. There are only four girls out of two litters, only four girls. Oh. 12 to 14 puppies per litter, but so, like only two girls were some more boys in each litter. And uh, and I had forgot the temperament test. I had forgot to bring everything. So I'm just like, okay, what are some of them? And like, I didn't have a ball or whatever. I had a leaf. It was fall. It was in um, Atlanta. So I'm like, here's a leaf. Like, 
<laughs> grabbing a leaf and bringing yeah. it back. Play. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty. And you know, I remember like, okay, flip her upside down and see how she does. Okay, walk. You know, so I'm I'm trying to remember is to do. But it's nice, like I said, to have it because it's something. Because all the puppies look the same. Yeah. It's not like even they have spots that can be a little different. They're all golden retrievers. Right. And she was the most beautiful and gorgeous. It just happened to be that one. Although nail polish is good for the golden retrievers, because then when you pick the one you want, you go, I want that one nail polish. Purple. Purple's mine. <laughs> right. The breeder I got my golden retriever, she shaved... She shaved part of the hair in on their backs. <laughs> One of the goats was just born with that. a moon spot. And a moon spot is a spot of different yeah. colors, not a white spot on black. I think it's, it's a different color on a colored spot. And he has yeah. it right on his hip like a My Little Pony. They call him cutie. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like that would be really neat to like draw something. So like we can get a little stencil and we could do that for all the dogs is just give them all cutie marks and they can run around and it'd be like my little pony dogs. I love that. I'm all about that. Right. Monica <laughs> was saying about how to color up your dog with a little stencil. And I'm like, I do have a golden who's beautiful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Perfect. So after seeing Monica's dog, now I want to like do a little pink purple thing on my dog. Right. Well, that's yeah. with the border collies being white and black, because that's, I've got the normal ones. I don't have, like, the funky color ones. I'm kind of like, well, we do have white. We could dye colors. Yeah. Well, Harvey's oh get up this orange and, orange and gray. That's his service stuff. <laughs> right. Yields, i got to stop thinking that. But I do kind of think, well, he'd look cute with orange. Well, orange right. mohawk. He would look awesome with the mohawk. The orange ears. I like <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know where they are. The door's closed. Hold, let me get let me get Mabel, and you can see Mabel. Okay. And Harvey, if I can find him. Okay. So if I get a puppy from Gypsy, would it would I have be able to wait two years to get him fixed so that growth place closed first? Yes, that actually will be in our contract uh, when we do Gypsy and Candy uh, and Roma. The poodle is you know wait until two years to um, close growth place. They all will also be on limited registration. Oh, hi, sweetheart. You want to come visit Gypsy and play? He's like, I could be a boyfriend. Right? Would you like that? Would you like that? He's looking right at you. You have good taste, huh, buddy? Yeah. yeah. Good boy. Okay. <laughs> Misjudged that off there. <laughs> you see how old is he now? He's uh, almost eight months. And oh, no. Yeah, today, this week, he's learning how to... He's my alert dog. <laughs> Stop it. Mabel, come here. Come here, Mabel. So, so Harvey is going to do ser- service work, and then Mabel... Come here, Mabel. Come on, Mabel. Oh, not you, Harvey. Come on, Mabel. Oh, this is Mabel. <laughs> she is... Um, a working therapy dog. Okay. So she's my other little baby, and then somewhere, well, well, no, oh, can't. Ah, whoops. Here, Will. Willie, come here. Okay, he's gone. Okay. Anyway, he's my little. I got him at five week old baby. So he's like my. 
He's like they're, literally yeah. my baby. Like he doesn't know he's not. Right. So he's not with you. What? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can go to yespup.com. Um, yes, or yespup.com. Yespup.com. Or you can email me directly, Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at yespup. Don't worry about the spelling. You could also do trainers at yespup. Pretty much yespup at yespup. It all comes to me. <laughs> hey, you at yespup.com. The best. Yes. Got yes. it. Yep. You can also check out our Facebook page. So that's under Complete Canine Training, LLC. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining. And I love that you shared the test info and all of that uh, with us. You are awesome. And we want to have you back because this was fun. Oh, I'm honored. You're delightful as always. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.